Welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We are back together once again. The three amigos, Michelle Masterson. Hello. Andy Dane. Howdy. And Brosif Castillo. What's up, guys? How you been? We all spent time in other places for a couple weeks there. Yes. It was, I'm going to just go ahead and call it not only the best mission trip I've ever been on. Wow. But one of the best trips, period. We went to Seattle with them students, and it was just perfect. <laughs> wow. Where have you been? Uh, I spent uh, 10 days in Kenya. It was great. It was long overdue. And yet, we still brought the living room. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> From all around the world, we got together. And <laughs> this is our first time to be in your office since Emily came up here and spruced it up people. a little bit. <laughs> It looks like, like an adult works here I wasn't now. sure if I was going to stay. <laughs> yeah, it did look that way. I hit the ground running and started working and didn't have time. Yes. But now it looks like an adult works here. And your cute children are on the walls. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed it as we've just continued to have conversations about... Uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, and this week we continue and uh, kind of jumping right in. I've got a, f- a fun question for us. What is something that you gave up on or quit as a kid or even recently? Man. Um, Fried chicken. <laughs> it's a it's a temporary breakup. Oh, <laughs> temporary. a break. We'll get back together. Y'all are on a break. When I get disciplined enough to reintroduce <laughs> fried chicken back into my life. Well, I, I had I, fried chicken. I think, so. man, when you give up. Like yeah, when you, I give up on being healthy. Gosh, I do love fried chicken. No, I haven't given up or quit fried chicken. But I did give up uh, a sport when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> I gave up baseball after, honestly, y'all, maybe four seasons that I never once hit a ball. <laughs> and I didn't hit because I didn't swing. <laughs> it's impossible to what hit a baseball. You and I was terrified. I was terrified. Yeah, I went up to bat every game and multiple times in the lineup. It was a given that I was either going to walk or get out. And those yeah. walks were a win. Oh man, oh, when I pitching. got, did I thought you, this was on a tee. Did you ever get to like score a run? Kid pitch because you'd gotten walked. <laughs> tee ball, you jerk. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get to score a run? I don't know. Because that's something. Like if yeah. you've scored, but you've never hit. I'm going to assume no. That's kind of like I got into college and never took the SAT. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think so. No, this was nothing but sad. And and my parents <laughs> just kept signing me up. My dad was coach. and like He was a coach. <laughs> yes. He was assistant coach. And I just finally quit because. They wouldn't promote him. Baseball was not going <laughs> to yeah. be my thing. Not going to be my thing. And coaching didn't well. become your dad's thing, I guess. <laughs> I was terrified of the ball getting hit that was being thrown at me yeah. yes it's it hurts yeah i was a right fielder <laughs> um i mean child? really anything i did as a child i'm not doing anymore so <laughs> i guess all of them i did ballet tap and oh, jazz like i did gymnastics i did kickball Ooh, 
Yeah, I did two. I think a lot of, of people kickball. don't know that kickball. There's league kickball. Yeah, there was league. Ashley kickball. was in league kickball. We were in the same league, but she not was at the, the same bunter. time. <laughs> I was on the firecrackers, and I was very slow at running. And so my parents <laughs> liked to make the joke that after I kicked the ball, they could faintly hear the chariots of fire song <laughs> in the background because you know they're slow motion. What do you think about starting an adult league kickball? My dad would say they'd go to the concession stand and come back before I ever made it to first. <sighs> Just got a bunch of athletes here. We should. That'd be <laughs> yeah, right. Piano. I quit piano. I started taking it when I was like three and quit when I was 13 and people said I would regret it. Feels it feels like you just I gave up. I, like, I don't regret it. I wanted to know like what were you just not good at that you gave up on? Because I wasn't good? Kickball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I want to go something else now. <laughs> I want to be in the same category. Uh, mine was karate as a kid. Mm. Um, I I don't think I ever made it past white belt. Did you ever break a piece of wood? No, that's no. I got broken. That's the only reason I would want to do karate. I got my butt kicked by a girl probably four <laughs> years younger than me. Um, yeah. That's worse than my baseball career. Four maybe too much because I think I was like six. Too much, but is it accurate? <laughs> <laughs> This was like uh, five years ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. So uh, once I got my butt kicked, I realized this isn't working. Uh, I'm not learning enough. And let's do something else. I'm a peacekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> not a karate kicker. <laughs> uh, but I think it's funny sometimes to think about the things we gave up on. And the reason why that's the question is we're going to see today as we just continue through the Gospel of John with um, wa- walking with Jesus. That as he starts to teach and he begins to really explain what he's here to do and, and who he is, the large crowds will begin to, to shrink. And the people who are with him for the miracles and the free food suddenly realize they're not in any longer and they start to walk away and give up. Uh, and so I think this is a bit interesting discussion. Uh, but, you know, as we read those verses and Jesus begins to explain as people walk away, one of the questions I have for you guys is, what teachings of Jesus have you found difficult to understand or to accept? Because we see for them what it was. How much time do we have on yeah. this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, honestly, I think there's so much of what Jesus said that's difficult and even hard to understand in some ways, right? Like we know that Jesus spoke in ways that were intentionally hard to understand at times. Um, but man, I think a whole lot of the teachings of Jesus are difficult. And I think that that gets lost and misrepresented a whole lot of the time because people are like, I think they oversimplify what Jesus said and make it some just loving niceties, you know, that's not an accurate description of what came out of Jesus' mouth because he had some really hard things to say. Yeah. So, like, when I think about things that are difficult, it's like uh, take up your cross and follow me, Mm. right? Like, I don't want to be crucified, you know? Jesus, in his sacrificial death, was literally nailed to a cross, and he tells us to take up our crosses and follow after him. Well, that's difficult. Yeah. That's not hard to understand, though, but it's hard to to live. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I don't know how to say this. I think there's also some things that my beliefs about them are completely determined by the Bible. And if I wasn't a Christ follower with a biblical worldview, I would probably actually hold a different set of beliefs or values. Totally know what you're talking about. 
and you know, it drives me back to the scripture that says his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. Right? And so I think a little bit of what you're saying there is if, if I was God, I'm not sure that I would have done it this way, but I also recognize that I'm not God. Right. <laughs> and, and we're better off. <laughs> and I mean, it, it is, it is hard, but I think that's why I'm thankful for the Bible and that we can trust that it's absolute truth because I can trust that even if my flesh feels a different way that this is the guide. Like this is the filter. This is what helps me to be more Christ-like. That's such a good, that's such a good word too, because that's what it looks like to live a biblical worldview because so many folks do the opposite, right? Like they take what they want to take and they lead with what they want to be true. Yeah. And then they just grab and choose the pieces that they, they like, mm. you know, and, uh, and that's not really following Jesus. That's yeah. following a Jesus of our own making. And that's no true Jesus. Yeah. Mm. We'll have some discussion about some of that a little later. Uh, I think for me, one of the toughest things to, the, for me to, to live out sometimes or accept is just Jesus talked about uh, to pray for your enemies and to love those who persecute you. And he talked about turning the other cheek mm. and it's just, it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to be in those moments that it applies. And it's just so countercultural, so counter to my nature that I just think, man, this is tough. Well, you know, that specific one is another, like an application of that. That's one thing to teach it to my kids. And it's another <laughs> thing to actually do it myself. But I've like, I've said that one to my kids. Hey, mm-hmm. Jesus says to love our enemies, like as they're dealing with a situation at school or whatever. Like, yeah. What about when it comes into your it, world? It actually hurts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you know, that being your nature, Joseph, were there any uh, scuffs at the in Kenya this time on your Kenya airport? Did you practice any of those old karate moves? <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't get into... Uh, the confrontation. <laughs> yeah. I just... It's, I'm not the problem. <laughs> uh, traveling with David King is a lot of fun. Yeah, there's and an incident. British people just do not like david king and like to pick on him sometimes <laughs> i i stand up for him i think for the sake of time we're gonna have to issue a, if you want to know more come see joseph yeah please come talk or to david me. that'd or be david. fun yeah, david, if y'all david just catch love david, to see david. <laughs> it's a fun unless you're british fun don't story. go see david <laughs> <laughs> yeah my karate didn't come out thankfully uh well i kind of continue with jesus uh as jesus begins to teach on these uh, harder things and people begin to kind of drift away. One of the other things is he, he said, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And I just want to have some discussion. What does that mean? Uh, and what is Jesus trying to communicate there? Yeah, I love the way in, in Sunday's sermon that, that Greg communicates this because I think it's super helpful. And I think sometimes we can let the way that messages break down uh, or the way the chapter and verse is broken down um, you know, kind of categorize things unnecessarily and not let us see the connections between things that Jesus is saying. And so the way that Greg connects this back to what was, was discussed last week about Jesus being the bread of life and eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that's the difficult and hard uh, teaching that Jesus gave was you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like that's what John 660 is talking about. And the way that we connect back to that and go, okay, this really is why we see this uh, as figurative, uh, because it's it's a matter of the spirit. It's a work of the spirit. It's a matter of supernatural things and belief, and that's what it means for the spirit to give life. And ultimately, the flesh counts for nothing. You know, mm. it, it all connects back to that message, 
from the previous week. And I think that statement also um, kind of illustrates or shows, points to um, how all of this that Jesus is teaching is that it's all or nothing with him, with our belief. Like it's not the spirit gives life and the flesh is okay, but it's not as good as the spirit. It's like the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, that challenges everything about who we are and how we live because we live in this temporary world in the flesh. And it's so easy to be uh, distracted into thinking that this is what this is life and this is what it's all about. And, and it, it reminds us that this is temporary, that the spirit is eternal. And even these physical bodies, uh, they're going to they're going to perish, you know, mm-hmm. but our spirit will go on forever because of what Christ has done mm-hmm. for us, united with God instead yeah. of separated. I think it's an important thing to, to bring back up too. the last two weeks, as we've talked about Jesus uh, giving this, this illustration and the symbol of eating his body and drinking his blood. Um, and, and how we've talked every week about these three different messages and, and different verses are building a case for why we believe he was being figurative. And I think the last two weeks and this week included, uh, are just a, a really good reminder for why we believe Jesus was giving us a symbol of something to to do. I think the other thing too, Joseph, is this. I think that's a good uh, a good example of why it's important to to read the Bible in context. You know, like what does this verse say? But what does this verse say in context with the verses on either side of it? Mm-hmm. And what does this chapter say in the context of this chapter? But what does this chapter say in the context of the chapter before and after it? You know, like context is king. Good old Herman. Good old Herman Newtick. That's why I love how we're doing this message series. I love that we're just walking through this whole book. So we get to, like, it really gives us a good big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, once the excited crowd began to shrink and as people turned away from Jesus, he began to teach about the people's lack of belief. And he has a lot there he's talking about. And as he's talking, there seems to be a difference, according to Jesus, between belief and belief that leads to obedience. And so I have us reading uh, John 12 uh, and a couple of verses. And uh, let me just read that real quick. Here's what John said. Uh, At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, talking about Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. And I just think here Jesus, or John is reminding us, there are those who believe or are claiming to believe, but they are afraid for others to know or to follow Jesus in obedience. So my question to you guys is what's the difference between belief and obedience? I think I kind of go back to the idea that even the the demons believe, mm-hmm. right? And yet yeah. they don't surrender themselves in 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 lordship, mm-hmm. right? And making Jesus master and worship him, but they believe. They they're very well aware of the reality of Jesus. Um and it all goes back to me like takes me back to that illustration. Uh, I don't want to go too in depth, but I'm sure you've heard of some version of it, of the the guy that's walking across the tightrope across a canyon, and and he's pushing a wheelbarrow, and uh, he says, "Who believes I can do this?" No one thinks he can. He does it. He says, "Okay, now who believes I can do this again?" And then you know they now all of a sudden they say, "Okay, I, I believe that you can do it," and uh, and then the third time he says, "All right." If you really believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across this canyon, get in the wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And like that's the point of belief. When you'll put yourself fully in the wheelbarrow, that's what it looks like to believe in a trusting kind of way where you accept Christ as, as Lord. 
and Savior. And so in that sense, like, like that's the point when, when there's this complete shifting of dependence into the wheelbarrow of obedience, right? Like that's when belief is really actually lived out. That's when it's really this comes to that point of surrender and lordship. Something that uh, we talk a lot about in my classes and in my internship right now that I like to, I love how it also applies to faith. I like to think through how those things I'm learning apply um, and fit into a biblical worldview is thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And so when I look at what's the difference between belief and obedience, obedience is the behavior, you know, like I can believe something, but no one else can see that. You can't see someone's beliefs. What you see is their behavior as evidence that they believe whatever it is. And it makes me think about, we've had conversation about this before, I think, about how the feeling's not always there, right? And sometimes you have to choose to believe. You have to choose to think something, and you have to choose to behave in that way. And sometimes the behavior is the easiest thing to change, even though what we know is that our beliefs determine that behavior. But I think that sometimes when maybe it feels like God is distant or when it feels like he's not answering or something like that, it can be hard to keep doing the behaviors because we don't feel the way we want to feel. And it's hard to have, it's hard to believe and think the things that we know are true. And so I think sometimes it is important to still do what you can do, which is behave as if you believe it. You know what's interesting to me about that, though, is that that kind of makes my mind explode a little bit because we can do the actions. Mm-hmm. We can do the right behaviors with the wrong motivations. Yep. And when you do the right behaviors that look like obedience with the wrong heart and motivations, that's still sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting how it can go both ways. Yeah, super complicated. Well, if we continue reading, we get to one of the most powerful parts, I think, of this entire passage, uh, at least for me. Um, it says in verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Talking, to Je- talking about Jesus. And he responded to the 12, you do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Uh, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Um, I want to have some discussion. What did Peter mean when he said to Jesus, Lord, to whom Shall we go? Where else should would we go? And just what does that look like for us to live with that same type of spirit? I think it goes back to our initial question in the conversation about the teachings of Jesus that are difficult to understand and to accept. And it's this reality of even when God's way is different than what I would do or what I want, mm-hmm. uh, even when um, what God's will is uh, leaves us disappointed, and doesn't meet up with our expectations, however selfish, um, even when, like at the end of the day, Jesus is the one who has the words to eternal Mm -hmm. life. So if we could get what we wanted from someone else, or if we could get something that lines up with what we desire in something else, at the end of the day, that's empty because Mm -hmm. that doesn't have the power to eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so it's accepting Jesus fully and trusting him completely 
in spite of the fact that we may not like all of it, mm-hmm. but knowing that it's worth it because he's the one that has eternal life in his hands. Mm-hmm. And in him is the fullness that comes with that. And I love how you see the power of truth in this too, because, you know, in a way, what Peter is saying would be hurtful if somebody <laughs> said that to <laughs> us. Like, why do you want to hang out with me? Well, what other choice do I have? Where else should I like, go, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, you're literally the only, <laughs> the last resort. Like that, that isn't necessarily what you want to hear. But what Peter is saying is, we don't have another choice, but it's because you are truth. Like to, to follow someone else would be to knowingly go against what I know is truth. Yeah. But think about this, like saying to my spouse, like to where else should I go? Right. Like you're the one. Like, do we frustrate each other at times? Sure. Are there complexities? Are there tensions? Are there differences? Yes. Do we struggle with opinions? Absolutely. But to where else should I go? Like you're the only one that, that, that I can love this way, that can love me this way. The only one that will always be the mother to my children this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's once you already love each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, if I'm fair. just meeting you yeah, and you're fair. like, well, who where else, else should there? I go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do, yeah, I, that it, I don't think this was offensive. Right? No, 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 no. Jesus. <laughs> like, to where else should we go, Jesus? You're the only one that has the But he's life. just, that's how much he believes it's truth. You know what impresses this verse in my mind um, was when Ashley and I shared uh, from a Sunday morning after her stepmom passed away. Mm-hmm. And, and she shared how this verse spoke her soul, that she was in that space where she didn't like what God willed and she was really struggling with it. And yet she looked at Jesus and she said, where else would I go? You're the mm-hmm. one that has eternal life. So I don't like that you didn't answer this prayer the way that I had hoped. Yeah. I don't like the way that this is unfolding. I don't like the grief that I'm having to live and walk. But where else would I go? You're my Jesus who has eternal life, and I trust you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that that living that with her, I think, has made this verse come alive to me. Yeah, mm, That's good. Well, the next thing I have to, to talk about is really one verse that I think is so full of things to, within it. Uh, it says next that Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12, yet one of you is a devil? And then John... <laughs> now that is that offensive. That is offensive. <laughs> that is offensive. Uh, and then John, in parentheses, lets us know he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. And John gives us the this realization that Jesus knew exactly who he was talking about. And so what is the significance of Jesus knowing that Simon Iscariot would betray him? And I think there's layers of significance. Mm-hmm. I think one um, is that, you know, it, it, it's further proof that Jesus is God, right? He saw this. He knew mm-hmm. this in the same way that he could read people's hearts and minds. He could read Judas's, and he knew Judas's future actions because he's God and he's all-knowing. But also he loved Judas. He loved Judas as one of his own. He loved Judas. He fed Judas. He, he cared for Judas. He lived a life with Judas. Washed his feet. Washed his feet. Yeah. He genuinely loved Judas in spite of the fact that in all of revelation judas was the one that had to do what had to be done for jesus to be betrayed and sent to the cross you know like i say had to do i don't know i mean ultimately jesus had to die on the cross you know could that have played out differently where he went to the cross in spite of the fact that they saw that he actually was the king of the universe i don't know it's not the way that it did play out but jesus genuinely loved judas in spite of his unique role in all of human history yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking about Judas and, and just kind of this general address that Jesus makes to the 12. And he's had these other disciples that have chosen to turn away and not follow him anymore. And then you've got the 12 who are saying, where else would we go? So there, you've got the rejectors and you've got the acceptors, but you've got Judas who stays in the group, but he's using Jesus for his own personal gain, mm. you know? So it's like, well, where does he land? Mm. Like, did he believe that Jesus was the Messiah? Like, you know, but he still, he still wanted some money, you know, or did he kind of start to doubt that and start to turn against Jesus a little bit himself, but he knew how big of a deal it was if he was the one that turned him in to the people that were out to get him, mm-hmm. like what was going through his mind. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder to, for me that Jesus wasn't surprised ever. And even when he's betrayed, it's God's will. And in all of it, he knew exactly what was happening. He allowed it to happen. And even here, well, well before that, that day, he said he knew exactly who was with him and what was coming. I think it's a good reminder to all of us, too, God's capacity to love. Mm-hmm. Like, he can love Judas. Mm-hmm. He can love me. You know, I don't capacity. think it's a super helpful exercise to compare our sins to others. But if you're going to compare, right. go and compare to Judas. <laughs> <For> grace. <laughs> well, and it goes back to who are we to not forgive somebody? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Hmm. Well, the large crowd that was following Jesus because of his miracles and the free food began to shrink as people turned away from him because of his hard teachings. In the very same way, there are many people today who walk away from Jesus based on some of his teachings and commands. So the last question I have for for us is just why have you decided to continue following Jesus despite his difficult teachings? As we said earlier, there are things that you acknowledge are, are hard. Uh, to live with and to follow, and and you do, but... Where else would I go? Yeah. I mean, I think on a super practical level, like, I don't know that this is my primary answer, but this is a real answer. I think on a super practical level, it's because, like, following Jesus works. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it makes life better, and it makes life work, because I believe that God's ways actually are the ways, Mm -hmm. and I've experienced it. Like, because of what I've experienced in following Jesus, I wouldn't want to be on a different road. Does that make sense? Just on yeah. a really practical level. But on the on the more important level, it's like, well, he has my heart, you mm-hmm. know, like I love him and uh, and I, I don't want anything without him. And I think it's important, too, to notice that you said better, not easier, um, not less challenging, like, yeah. but it is better because his ways are the way and his ways are above anything we could ever come up with. Andy Stanley consistently says following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. Mm -hmm. And I've really thought a lot about that. Like I've had to think through, do I agree with that phrase? Would I say it myself? And I don't know that I would say it exactly the same way. Um, But I do think, I think it's true. Yeah. Well, this isn't Tim Keller, but this is Tim Keller's Tim Keller, C.S. Lewis. (laughs) You know, it makes me think of in the Narnia series where they're talking about Aslan, who's like, who's, you know, it's an allegory for faith and Aslan represents God in those stories. And, you know, the question is, is he safe? You know, because he's a lion. And so that's scary. And so one of the kids says, is he safe? And the other one says, oh, he's not safe, but he's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
I think the first thing you said, Michelle, like where else would we go? I think that's immediately where I I I I go to when I think about this question. Um, I my life no longer belongs to me. You know, my ways, my life, my heart um, led me to sin and destruction, and Jesus paid the penalty that I deserved. And uh, you know, the Bible clearly tells us that. I no longer belong to myself and it's, it's not my ways any longer. And it's, it's, it's his. And just thinking like, where else would we go? Yeah. Like Jesus, uh, whatever you, every teaching you have, every command, it is better for my life. And also, I'm uh, the, I'm no longer living for myself and just the constant reminder of that. Like, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that's why I, you know, I just wrote in there the same thing we see happening 2000 years ago uh it's the same thing we see today people who are in for some of jesus but not all of it and when a hard teaching that they don't agree with or the jesus that is clearly seen in scripture is not the jesus they want they walk away and i think at the beginning it's just a jesus you and whoever you are and whatever you say goes and i'm going to trust you, all of you and i think that's such a, a heartfelt description of what it means, like the difference between knowing and believing, mm-hmm. right? Like believing to the point of surrender. Um, I think that's such a good heartfelt description that describes like what that's about, you know, in in real everyday life. Um, and at the same time, like I think that helps us to, to wrap our minds around the things that Jesus said that are difficult, that go back to like the way you described it, Michelle, these aren't necessarily the ways I would have done this. Um, versus the things that are hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the things that are hard to understand are the reasons why I think there's so many different uh, flavors of our faith, you know, so many different flavors of Christianity because none of us have a lockstep, 100% right, aligned with God, understanding and interpretation of Scripture. Anybody that thinks they do needs to reread Scripture because they've got a, a pride problem, mm-hmm. right? Like. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm keenly aware that I don't know what I don't know and that I don't know all the areas where I'm wrong. And, and recognizing that and having that kind of generosity of spirit, I think, puts us in the place where we have the ability to continue to do this with other people that understand those hard-to-understand things differently, uh, but in a way that we recognize that those differences aren't necessarily... Uh, you know, things that should divide us. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like there's some things that are clear. There's mm-hmm. some things that are abundantly clear that we should be united on. But there are some things that are confusing um, that we can at least appreciate why we have differences. Mm-hmm. Talk about flavors. What flavor are we? <laughs> uh, cookies and cream. <laughs> Speaking of flavors and cookies and cream, there's a new Bluebell flavor that's a combination of uh, strawberry ice cream and lemon sherbet. <gasps> what? I don't like it. I don't think you should combine ice cream and sherbet. Wait, you don't like it because you've tasted it or you don't like it? I have tasted it. And I liked it. <laughs> no, I have ta- I have tasted it and I would on eat more of it. But on principle, I don't think you should combine Man, ice cream and sherbet. Y'all remember lemon chills and strawberry yes, chills? Yes, but that was just sherbet. Well, it wasn't even sure. It really wasn't. It was it's frozen sugar. ice. But like at um at our mall in Fort Worth, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to have like in the food court, there was a lemon chill place and it was soft serve and you could get a swirl that was lemon and strawberry and it was amazing. Hmm. I associate lemon chills with Six Flags. 
Um, yes, or Rangers games. Or Rangers games, yeah. Maybe Fort Worth kids. <laughs> <laughs> Six Flags and Rangers games. Uh, well, this was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not great. <laughs> no, no, I enjoyed the discussion. I enjoyed being back together and, and uh, just a chance to discuss out loud some of these um, powerful truths that we see with Jesus. One thing I'm excited about is next week we got a special guest joining us. <gasps> you got to leave it a mystery. Right. Yeah, I'll leave it a mystery. Uh, but it will be fun and different. And so we'll have a special guest next week. We would love for you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. See you then.